Victorian working conditions and jobs were notoriously arduous. We have a mental picture of any number of Dickens novels, but perhaps our greatest source of knowledge of these jobs comes from a writer, Henry Mayhew. In 1849, he wrote a series of newspaper articles on some of these jobs. This was compiled into book form called The London Labour and The London Poor. It gave the rich people an insight how the poor really lived. In the story of Dick Whittington, he travels to London as the streets are paved with gold. By Victorian times, this was partially true. However, they called it brown gold. People would be found on every street, wandering around, picking up dog feces. This was known as pure. They didn't wear gloves, as these would have been too difficult to clean, and they would only wash their hands occasionally. Lucky our pure collectors would have arrangements with kennels for shares in these profits. But why did they collect it? The pure was used in leather tanneries. Historical Crimes and Criminals podcast. I'm Steve, your host. A quick hello to new subscribers and thanks for your reviews. The area of Bermondsey in London was by the 19th century the capital of the leather tannin industry, so much so that it was known as the land of leather, with over 25 tanneries providing a third of the country's leather. The tanning process strengthens an animal's skin and makes it resistant to decay. This meant plenty was needed and the pure collectors would receive about 10p a bucketful. But as jobs go, spare a thought for the leather tanners themselves. These skins arrived at a tannery bloody and wet with whatever animal remains still clinging to them. First, the animal skins were cleaned and softened with water. Once cleaned, the tanners still had to pound the hides to remove excess fat and flesh. Next, to loosen the hair follicles, they would either coat the hides with a lime mixture or soak them in vats of urine. All of this before scraping off the excess with a dull knife. In the next stage, the tanners mixed a slurry of warm water and dog poo, rubbing this thoroughly into the skins. The combination of bacterial enzymes found in the animal waste and the kneading action fermented the skin and made it supple. But in modern parlance, the job literally stank. The smell clung to the workers and permeated every pore, so much so they were pretty much forced to lodge with other tanners and many only were able to marry women working at the factory. Tannery workers would earn about 30 shillings plus a week. Due to the smell, the surrounding area to factories were literally a place to avoid. 
The process of using dog poo continued until advancements in leather production used chemicals in the process. The last working tannery in Bermondsey closed in 1997 with Rowan Son of Tanner Street bringing the end of an era. It's needless to say nowadays the smell in Bermondsey has improved and it's now a very trendy area to live. But in the Victorian age, there were certainly just as smelly, but more dangerous jobs. Imagine the scene from Shawshank Redemption when Andy has to crawl along the sewer, gagging and retching all the way. London had possessed a sewage system since Roman times, and some chaotic medieval construction work was regulated by the Henry VIII Bill of Sewers, issued in 1531. There were 360 major sewers in London in the early 19th century. These were filthy, dangerous places. Men called toshers made it their living by forcing entry into London's sewers at low tide and wandering through them, sometimes for miles, searching out and collecting miscellaneous scraps washed down from the streets above. Bones, fragments of rope, miscellaneous bits of metal, silver cutlery, and if they were lucky, coins dropped in the streets above and swept into the gutters. They had to be careful not to become trapped or caught when the tide would come in, as this would mean certain death. Moreover, many of the tunnels they worked in were crumbling and dilapidated. Peter Ackroyd tells us the bricks of the Mayfair sewer was said to be as rotten as gingerbread. You could have scooped them out with a spoon. And sometimes they collapsed, entombing the unwary sewage hunters who disturbed them. Sometimes known passages could be blocked with putrefying debris, choking up passages and potential escape routes. Additional dangers included pockets of suffocating and explosive gases. This added to the danger and this was without considering the ever-present rats, sometimes as big as dogs. They always carried a hole. This hole was the vital tool of the sewer hunter's trade. It saved their lives, for should they, as often happened to even the most experienced, sink in some quagmire, they would immediately throw out the long pole armed with the hole and with it seizing hold of any object within reach, they are able to draw themselves out, like a Victorian Indiana Jones. In these sewers, the hole was also invaluable for digging into the accumulated muck in search of the buried scraps that could be cleaned and sold. This was profitable, but dangerous work. They continued to work these older sewage systems, until the building of London's new sewage system later in the 19th century. Well, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed this History Byte episode, and if you did, please subscribe, leave a review, and join me on Twitter and Facebook on the Historical Crimes and Criminals podcast. I've been Steve, your host. Until next time, bye-bye.